Kanye West's new album is called Jesus is King. The album itself is very overtly religious, and West himself says he is now in the service of God. This is going to have a massive and profound effect on politics in this country. Not only is Kanye West a MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporter, he's announced he's going to be making his Yeezys here in the United States, and his new album, as he says it, is preaching the gospel in service to God. Dare I say it, based on what we've seen from Kim Kardashian, Sia, and Kanye, it looks like he's creating a very Christian pop culture force, as some have described it. Now, I want to start with this story. I want to go through the implications of Kanye West coming out, preaching the gospel. It's going to reignite Christianity. It's going to make it popular because he's got a ton of fans. But I want to start with this story. Kanye West says supporting Trump is God's practical joke to all liberals. I must admit, I laughed. I laughed a lot when I heard him say that. Now, there's a lot to go through, and there's a lot to talk about in terms of religion in this country and how Kanye West is going to impact 2020 in support of Trump and how he may be this ace in the hole for conservatives. Because not only does Trump have the, the, the booming economy and the analytics showing he's going to win, but Kanye West, man, Love him or hate him, the dude's got power and influence, and he is going to bring a ton of his younger fans to this, to the side, wherever it might be. The first step in making someone, a young person, get up and vote, it's, it's celebrity, it's pop culture, it's being cool. And I'm going to say it, man, conservatives are just not cool. I'm not trying to be mean, but, but, but let's be real. For the longest time, pop culture has always been on the left. All of the cool punk, punk rock stuff and celebrity, it's always anti-Trump. But now you have quite po- not just a pop culture force, but quite possibly one of the most influential, if not the most influential celebrity musician right now. You could argue about Lady Gaga and whoever else. There are people with more followers than him. But Kanye West influence, okay, meeting with Trump, sparking these controversies, controversies and a national and a worldwide trend with this new album, it's going to have an impact. So let's read this story before we get started. Make sure you head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address, but the best thing you can do is just share this video. I'm competing with these big networks. YouTube is deranking our channels. It's hard to know what I can or can't do anymore, but you can really help out just by sharing it. I can't guarantee YouTube is going to decide to show this to anybody. You can also subscribe, comment, like. You know what? We'll see how long this YouTube thing lasts. Let's be real. Let's read the first story because I think it's funny. Kanye West says supporting Trump is God's practical joke to all liberals. Kanye West, uh, while claim, uh, so they they just reiterate the title. He says, this shows you that God is hilarious. God has got a sense of humor. Liberals love art, right? And now I am unquestionably, undoubtedly the greatest human artist of all time. It's just not even a question anymore at this point. It's just a fact, right? West told Apple Music's Zane Lowe on Beats One in an interview released Thursday. So for the greatest artist in human existence to put a red hat on was God's practical joke on all liberals like, no, not Kanye, he continued. He used himself as an example of someone saying something that culturally they're not supposed to say. I got I to hand it to Kanye West, man. That is a whole new level of narcissism. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but come on. The greatest artist, the greatest human art, the, the, the greatest artist in human existence, bold statement. 
But then to come out and say it's God's joke with them saying, no, not Kanye. Dude's got confidence. And, and I'll say this, man. I am a, a secular liberal type, but I'm moderate. You know, I, I did grow up Catholic uh, for a little bit and then moved away. And I am not overly uh, theistic in any way. But here's the thing. We had a period in this country where, you know, Christian conservatives were very, very powerful and they had a lot of say. And that's kind of changed now. Trump isn't this overtly religious person for the most part. We're at, we're at a point now where pop culture and media is very much against this Christian norm. It's shifted greatly. Kanye is kind of pushing back on that. So I'll say this, man, and I mean this is true, this is true for, for any religion, okay? You have a right to practice what you believe without being insulted or smeared. We can argue ideas. You know, someone can criticize your idea. I think, you know, if you want to have a belief structure or whatever, that's your, that's your right in this country. The, the, this country was founded partly on, the, on freedom of religion, takes a lot of guts to do what Kanye West is doing, to come out and push back on the major left-wing establishment, because as much as uh, the left wants, doesn't want to admit how much power they have, they look to the government and say the Republicans c- control everything. Okay, that's true. But culturally, which and, and politics is downstream from culture, it is the establishment is overly left-wing and moving further and further left. Kanye West, dare I say it, is making Christian conservatism cool. And that's not my opinion. I'm not saying I think it's cool necessarily. I think I have respect for him for being brave. But think about it, man. All these young people who are not politically initiated, who, who respect and look up to Kanye West for all of his faults, whatever you may think of him. Okay, the dude's accomplished a lot of things. He's a celebrity. You've got the Kardashians. Okay, they are a political powerhouse, uh, a cultural powerhouse. And you're going to have these young people listening to what Kanye has to say. That is power and influence. I do think there's a lot that Kanye is doing. That's going to be a big positive, uh, a, a massive positive force on society. And, and I, I can't speak to everything he's done, but I will stress one point as he talks about in an interview, it's going viral right now. He talks about the culture in hip hop to, to do illegal things, to go to jail and things like that, then call for prison reform. And he's like, nah, I grew up on the South side of Chicago. I'm not going to, I don't think it's always about race. I think it's about class, but having someone like Kanye, who's going to have influence in, in an area like mine, telling people to be responsible you know, to do good, that's going to have a profound and positive impact. Because I know a lot of people who are young and lost. And if Kanye can only bring about, you know, uh, some simple, you know, mentality and culture, that's fine, where it's like, you know, be responsible for yourself. I'm not a big fan of Christianity, okay? Because I, you know, look, I grew up Democrat and all that stuff. But I think, you know, Kanye's being brave right now, and he's doing something that takes a lot of, uh, a, lot, a lot of boldness. But this is going to have a huge impact, a huge, huge impact going into politics. Check this out. This is from NBC News. Kanye West's new album, Jesus is King, wants to make a faith, make faith a pop culture force. It is not hyperbole to call West a genius. With his Sunday services and Jesus is King, West is once again testing the boundaries of his talent. And when he started doing these Sunday services, I said I have tremendous respect for what he's doing because it, it used to be the norm in this country that you were a Christian. Not so much anymore, okay? It kind of is, but we're seeing this. Check this out. In U.S., decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. An update on America's changing religious landscape. I think too many people focus on the negatives and ignore the positives. When I was younger, when I was in grade school, I was Christian. I was Catholic. And then once I got a little older, like, you know, uh, 12 or 13, I went to public school and then just kind of got away from all of that. Immediately was exposed to this world outside of religion and said, hey, you know, I became very far left, kind of angry. And then I met someone who kind of uh, gave me this formative moment. It was a punk rock secular type 
who said the story of Jesus was a cool story. It was just a guy who traveled around trying to help people. And he's like, when you get rid of everything else, like you got a good story there. We should be nice to each other. And that made me realize I made a bunch of assumptions about religion, made me a bit more moderate. And what I started to realize as I got older is the truth is there's a lot of really important things within religion and and, and many of them. As uh, uh, um, the ancient one said in the Doctor Strange film, when looking at these books, everybody is seeing a part of the picture, but not the whole. I think the important thing we can do as a culture is recognize a lot of really important ideas came out of religion and a lot of bad ideas did too. And we've done a really good job of reforming and getting rid of the bad ideas. And now we're at a point where we've retained mostly the good ones. And I'll give you one specific example that I love, and it's Blackstone's formulation. Many people, uh, this is the idea that it is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. It is the basis of our innocent until proven guilty legal system. And many people believe it dates back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible, the story of Lot, that God would not destroy these, these towns if but one righteous person was among them. Admittedly, there's a bunch of bad ideas. But through this, we've kept many of the good ones. Okay, so there were ideas in the, in the past, and I'm glad they exist today. But I think many people in this country assume only the worst about religions. And they, get, they say, get rid of all of it simply because it has bad ideas. I think that's, I, think, I, I say, whoa, slow down a bit. I used to think that too until I met some people who told me some really interesting things and there are some good ideas that need to be protected that exist within this. It's not black or white. Kanye West has done something pretty crazy. Check out this story. In May, Sia, the uber talented but famously enigmatic pop singer and songwriter walked on stage wearing a hoodie and no makeup and belted out a gospel rendition of her hit Elastic Heart. The seemingly impromptu performance was backed by a gospel choir and was incredibly powerful. The performance was tweeted by Kim Kardashian West, who said there wasn't a dry eye in the room. The setting, an early iteration of Kanye West's Sunday service. And I got to admit, this tweet is beautiful. The people singing, there's unity. It's positive. Sia is a pop singer. I actually really love the song Elastic Heart. To see this, it actually makes me feel really good because it's a positive thing, not a negative thing. And I think if more people can come together like this to see these celebrities now meeting in, in, in a church group, I actually really, really like that idea. There's a complicated uh, uh, relationship between the left and the right when it comes to religion. But I think if we just try and talk about not hating each other and talk about, you know, what I was saying, the story of Jesus being a dude who wanted to love everybody and, and bring people together, man, you got a great story. And in fact, many people on the left like to cite Jesus as an example of why the corporatist Republicans are, are bad. And I'm like, that's, Yeah. It is easier to fit uh, was a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven. I believe there's a lot of really interesting points in religion the left could actually get behind. I'm not saying religion should be the uniting factor, but I do want to point out that I think it, I think it is good that most of us simmer down to the best of our abilities. And I hope seeing these, these pop stars, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, Sia, come together with a church group can bring people together so we're not just assuming there's an other who hates us because we're focusing on the negative all the time. But more importantly than this, so, so the reason I highlight this is because you have celebrities now with Kanye West. Okay, think about this. It's not just Kanye West coming out as a Trump supporter and doing these Sunday services. It is Sia. Now, now of course, you got Kim Kardashian. She's married to Kanye West and her family, they're going to they're gonna come out in this way. But now having Sia as well, this is back in May, I think don't be surprised if you see many more celebrities start talking about faith and start being open about how they really feel and sort of crack, you know, showing us a crack in that foundation of this, this system where people are scared to speak up. 
in a really, really interesting article in Vice. So, so I, will, I, I do want to highlight this, right? The reason I highlighted the, the Pew thing is that Christianity is on, the, on, on a rapid decline. I think Kanye West might reignite this. I mean, people look up to that dude, right? Check this out. A story from Vice asks about Kanye West, you know, him being, you know, Christian now. And there's a quote from a faith leader who says this. If you want to do anything with black people in this country, you still have to go to or go through a black church. Dr. J. Paul Hines, an assistant professor at Princeton Theological Seminary, tells Vice, the political election season is warming up again. And you're going to see politicians in the churches again because it's the main avenue by which you reach the African-American community. Bill Maher the other day did a segment where he pleaded with Democrats not to go crazy. In it, he said, Beto O'Rourke wants to tax the church if they don't agree to perform same-sex marriages. Uh, what, what Bill Maher said was he also wants to tax churches, but he's not running for president. And he said, for Beto, I, you, do you think that's going to go over well in a black church? And the answer, well, I, I'm not going to tell you what the answer is, but that's Bill Maher's point. But here we can see from a Princeton professor, if you want to do anything with black people in this country, you still have to go to or through a black church. Kanye West is sort of dominating the space. Not only is he saying it's a joke that he's wearing that MAGA cap all in for Trump. He's now hosting Sunday services. I got a lot of respect for him because while I think there are a lot of bad ideas in religion that I'm, that I'm, I'm scared by, I think for a lot of communities that have no leadership, my, like my community, and I'm not talking about racial communities. I was in a mixed neighborhood. We could really use leaders of, of any sort to come in and say, you know, be responsible, be respectful, do good and preach good. There are a lot of bad people who take religion to dark places and we've seen it around the world and it's scary. We got to push back on the bad ideas and we, we can't just say literally every idea is bad. Not every iteration of every idea is bad. And that goes for social justice too. This idea that we can create a more equitable and equal future, it's possible and it exists, but there are bad people who are at the reins. And they're, they're, they're pushing forth this, this fake version of what we're truly talking about. When we talk about equality and social justice, we're really just talking about justice and equal rights and opportunity. Instead, you have people who are pushing cancel culture, who are telling you to bend the knee, and then who would, you know, they smeared Kanye West like crazy for coming out and talking about how he supported the president. But, but listen, it is not just that uh, Kanye West is doing this religious stuff. He's going to make Yeezys in America. This dude, I don't know what happened with Kanye West. It must have been Candace Owens, maybe. He, 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 he put out that tweet one time where he said he loves what she's saying. And I, got, I, I do respect a lot of what Candace Owens says. Granted, I've, I've directly criticized her in full segments where I talked about, you know, she mentioned something about burning the flag, and I totally disagree. But I think she makes a really good point that I empathize with. When, you know, she as a black woman feels from these progressives, they're telling her what she can or can't do. I don't have the same level of, you know, bigotry or whatever pointed at me. Because I will totally accept that some people might just think I'm straight white. A lot of people don't. But what bothers me is when I'm told by the wealthy white progressives how I'm supposed to feel and how I'm supposed to behave. And, I'm, and my, my response is, who are you to tell me? You don't know what my life was like. And I can only imagine it is substantially more extreme for, for Kanye and for Candace Owens because they're straight up not white, right? So, so to, to, to clarify the idea of passing, yeah, some people might look at me and say, this, this guy's white. A lot of people don't. So I have like this mixed experience and I'm sick and tired of being told what I'm supposed to do, who I'm supposed to support, and then being insulted simply because I tell you, you can't control me. And that's what Kanye West is saying. And, and that, to me, that means a lot. I'm grateful to see somebody saying something like that, though we disagree politically, right? 
I agree with making stuff in the U.S., though. So this is huge. Kanye West, whether or not he's the greatest artist of all time, he's got 30 million followers. Check this out. He's got this tweet. Jesus, Jesus is king is the tweet, midnight. And it says, every hour, Salah, follow God, closed on Sunday on God. Everything we need, water, God is, hands on, use the gospel. Jesus is Lord. These are the songs. Jesus is Lord is one of the songs. The album is called Jesus is King. It's got 75,000 retweets, only 10,000 replies. Dude, people love this guy. He's got nearly 29.2 million followers. How many of those people do you think are secular? Well, if we go by the Pew data, 30, uh, 30 or so percent, maybe a little less, you have 35% maybe. These are people who are uninitiated, don't know a whole lot, but respect Kanye, are going to follow that. That's going to have a huge impact. And then when Kanye comes out and says, bring the industry back to the U.S. for his Yeezys, man, that's huge. And that's, that's, a, that's a conservative Trump kind of narrative. So Kanye was really inspired by Trump. And, the, and, and, and I got to say, this is good. I'm not going to talk about whether or not everyone should or shouldn't be Christian or whether or not it's a good, you know, I'm not going to tell you that I think it's good or bad that Kanye West is preaching religion. That's on him. That's on you guys. I, I fully respect your right to believe whatever your religion and, and to practice. But I will stress that Kanye West is going to, he's probably going to shift that trend around and make and, and convert many, many people. Possibly one of the most powerful preaching, uh, you know, preachers in the, on the planet today, Kanye West. But it's not just that. He's bringing it back to the United States. Check this out. They say, with the release of Jesus is King, less than 12 hours away, Kanye West is making the promo rounds which included a visit with Zane Lowe in Wyoming this week. Currently premiering on Beats One Radio, the interview has thus far seen West share his views on everything from banning premarital lovemaking amongst those who worked on on the new album to his journey from purveyor of high fashion to one of Christianity. He also touched on Yeezy footwear and apparel manufacturing and why moving production to America is a priority. He said, for me as a founder, it's really important to bring these jobs back to America. West said, within the next two years, He plans to make Yeezys and injection molded shoes in U.S. factories, as well as hire workers through prison reform systems. You know, one of the things that I that I agree with Kanye on is prison reform. I think um, we need we need more criminal justice justice reform. I am not a fan of private prisons. I'm willing to listen to arguments, but I'm as of now, I'm very opposed to them. And I think we need a total reform of the system. So I'm with Kanye on that one. I'm with Kanye on on, on doing these factories here in the U.S. Uh, Right now, what we're seeing with Kanye West and the moves he's making, they're all positive ones. Singing, a, you know, having Sia sing a song, there's nothing negative there. That's happy. That's, that's bringing people together. That's community building. Launching uh, production in the United States, uh, amazing. It's going to be great for the economy. It's going to be good for America. So right now, I want to make sure we, 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 we make this clear. There are good and bad things about every idea, okay? And you can rag on Kanye. You can call him crazy. You can say whatever you want. But what he's doing right now isn't hurting people. What he's doing right now is, 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 has been positive. And so I'm down with that. I'm, I'm, that's great. Right on, man. Do your thing. I, I respect tremendously that Kanye is willing to stand up for what he believes in. Say, if I want to do this, I can do it. You can't stop me. I'm like, right on, man. If you want to have a church service, yeah, man, go do it. And I want to make sure you can do it safely. I want to make sure all of your friends can come and you can sing and you can talk about, you know, for the most part, whatever you want to talk about. I believe in free speech freedom of religion, and even sometimes for ideas I don't like. Now, I'll be real, right? There, there are a lot of groups that I really, really, really don't like. You know who I'm talking about, okay? Well, they have a right to free speech too, and I don't want to, to, to be there in any way for them, but they do have a right to go and, and speak. 
you know, and do their thing. Fine. You go do it over there. I'll avoid you. What Kanye is doing is, is nowhere near that. And in fact, a lot of what Kanye is saying, especially this article right here, I'm totally down with. In which case, I really like the idea that he's bringing people together, and I hope what he does has a bigger, more positive impact on this country. Now, I'm going to cite one last thing, because what I'm talking about here is Kanye West being an ace in the hole for conservatives. Rasmussen is typically considered biased in favor of Trump. But they say in August, Trump support up this week among black voters. Whether or not you trust Rasmussen, Zogby said something similar. A lot of people are saying it's not true. The left counters this point. It's fine. Ignore this then. Ignore Rasmussen. What do you think is going to happen when Kanye West comes out and says, go vote for Trump? There are going to be a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people in the black community who probably didn't vote before, who are going to be like, yo, Kanye, Kanye's the man. And they'll go, they'll go do it. There are a lot of people who don't like Kanye, don't like Trump, and I respect their opinions as well. I'm just trying to highlight the influence of Kanye West. This is going to be huge, man. It already is. And I, I, I got to end just by pointing out this. This is hilarious. I'm sorry. It's funny. Okay. I think you guys know this is funny too that he said he's the greatest artist in human existence. So putting on a red hat was God's practical joke on all liberals. No, not Kanye. It's funny, man. Listen, I think um, I'm down to be friends, you know, with a lot of people, a lot of people disagree with, um, or I should say friendly. I'm not going to hang out with a lot of, you know, with these people. I'm not going to hang out with Kanye West, but I got no problem shaking his hand and saying, you know, I, I respect you standing up for what you believe in. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll see at the ballot box. We'll see what happens. Final thought to wrap all this up. If you thought Trump was going to win just based off, the, off of economics, you got to factor in this rising pop culture Christianity, starting factories in the U.S., creating his, his gear. Kanye West is doing what many conservatives have talked about for the past few months about creating culture. Kanye West does that. Well, congratulations. One of the most prolific, famous and liked entertainers in the world is on the conservative side now. And it's opening the door for other people to come out. This might be taken over. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. Comment below. Let me know what you think. Subscribe if you didn't. And I will see you all in the next video. We live in trying times. Great struggle between the progressives in this country who want to make the world a better place and the group they're supposed to be helping. Why are Latinos having to come out and tell woke white progressives to stop anglicizing their culture? It's almost like the woke white progressives are the racist ones. Here's the story. It's an opinion piece from USA Today. Progressives, Hispanics are not Latinx. Stop trying to anglicize our Spanish language. Not only that, but Latinx sounds like Kleenex. And I don't think that's like a positive connotation. The other issue I have is, how are you supposed to speak a gendered language if you replace everything with an O? Are you going to call your dog a pedex? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They're only changing the word. And, and here's the best part. First, I saw this story because it was shared on Facebook by some of my Hispanic friends who are like, stop doing this to us. It's, it's kind of this cultural imperialism, right? That's what it's called. And these woke progressives believe that they should have their view on culture injected into other cultures while simultaneously arguing against imperialism and for multiculturalism. No, I must stop you right now, woke progressive left. Listen, I'll read the story. But if you go around as a woke white person telling Hispanic people to change their language, that is not multiculturalism. 
It is quite literally monoculturalism because you are forcing other cultures to bend to your perspective. In a true multicultural society, you will have Latinos, you will have Hispanic speakers, and their culture will not be changed by you. So this is, it, it's really funny how it's kind of like, it, it's projection. You know, they often say that these people project on other people, and I think it's fair to say that's true. I've noticed that many of the woke white people that I know are extremely racist. And I don't mean in the sense that like being woke itself is racist. I mean, they're literally racists, okay? Like I talked to some of these snooty elite people and they're like talking about minority communities as though they're stupid, poor people who can't help themselves. Like they're literally racist. They actually believe they are superior and that they're guilty about it. So they do things like this. Okay, let's read the story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work or just share this video, it's the best thing you can do. I try to keep these shorter from now on. But seriously, sharing really, really does help. My, my, my views are going down. YouTube's deranking. Um, we're, we're expanding. We're potentially getting this new building. I just announced the other day I'm looking for a, 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 a vlog producer. So if for some reason, you know what? If you want to produce vlogs, the goal is to plan events, go skating, and film some stuff. So you're probably going to need, you know, it's, it's going to be some knowledge of skateboarding, video games, and, uh, and filming and editing. Send me an email, tim at timcast.com. Please include your portfolio. But let's read. When Yale professor Sidney Dupree and her colleague analyzed more than two decades worth of political speeches and conducted experiments searching for bias when communicating with racial minorities, they were surprised by what they discovered. According to their report, published this year in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, conservatives generally addressed whites and minorities similarly. But liberals were likelier to modify their speech and patronize minorities stereotyped as lower status and less competent. It is so annoying when I tell my friends, you know, I, I got into an argument with a friend recently who is a progressive white upper class, and they're trying to tell me how I should think about racism. And I'm like, dude, listen, okay, listen, you have no idea what you're talking about. And they, they, they always say to me, Tim, you're passing. Therefore, you're no, 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 no. Full stop. You have no idea what my experiences are. I grew up on the South side. The whole community was, was various races. We dealt with some stuff, man. You can't come and tell me. But that's what they do. It is the most annoying and frustrating thing. Talk to Candace Owens about it, okay? Because she knows better than I do. It is true that sometimes people will see me and just assume I'm white. But I typically find in these communities, that's not the case. They typically assume I'm Latino and I'm not. I'm Korean and white. So, so I understand the concept of passing. The problem is these people twist it and they, 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 they ruin it, to say the least. Let's read on. You precaution that although liberals might be well-intentioned and see themselves as allies, they could be unwittingly contributing to racial division by dumbing down their language. In light of minorities understandably feeling marginalized, journalists, corporations, and politicians would be wise to heed the professor's warning. Instead, they're ignoring it. One of the most notable examples of corporate America and politicians changing how they speak to ingratiate themselves with minorities. No, 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 no. It's to ingratiate themselves with the woke left. Because listen, the woke left in this country is about 30%, sort of. Okay, let me back up. White liberals in this country are shy of 30%. Of that, most of them just say, whatever you say, don't know much about anything, and I'm just going to follow through. But the progressive activists are 8% of this country, which means they're a larger portion of the liberals as a whole. Those people are loud. They're squeaky wheels. They're getting all the grease. And so you see Elizabeth Warren and Beta O'Rourke 
doing all of these things. And then you have confused Latinos and, his, and, and Hispanic individuals in this country saying, what, what is Latinx? You, you sound like you're blowing your nose. But they're not saying it to you because Latinos make up what, like 13 to 14 percent of the country? Maybe, maybe it's more, maybe like 15. And uh, uh, progressive liberals, well, actually, that, that's of them, of that group, you break out how many are progressives. And it's actually relatively small. But, the, but Beto O'Rourke is trying to get votes from white people. He's not talking to Latinos, okay? One of the most notable examples of corporate America and politicians changing how they speak to ingratiate themselves is Latinx. What began in the 2000s among activists has now gained currency among marketers, media personalities, and progressives. The intentions behind Latinx may be benign, but as the son of immigrants who grew up in a community with English-only ordinances, I am among the many Americans who considered an absurd anglicization of a language that generations struggled to conserve. And there it is. You see what's happening? Beto, Warren, these other people who say Latinx, they're not talking to the Latino community. They're talking to the progressive community, which is overwhelmingly white. And there it is. They want their view, their cultural view injected upon a massive community. The second most uh, commonly spoken, is it second? Okay, no, maybe it's the third. Spanish, I think might be, no, 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 it might be second now. One of the most commonly spoken languages in the world, Spanish. And these white progressives in the U.S. think they're being progressive by telling a minority in this country, here's what you must say, or here's the right way to say it. But it's really just a bunch of white people talking to white people. And that's what's really, really funny about all of this. They act like, you know, uh, you know, they're so, so similar to the white nationalists in so many ways. Progressives argue that Latinx fixes the gendered nature of Spanish, which they maintain is unfair to women and excludes individuals who do not identify as male or female. It is true that nouns are gendered in Spanish, but it is unclear what, if any, problem this poses to Americans. English is not grammatically gendered. Latinos is inclusive in both languages, and substitutes like Latin and Hispanic can adequately describe the population that is Latino and non-binary. Non-binary. Taken to its logical conclusion, a push for gender-neutral Spanish nouns requires dismantling a language spoken by 572 million people across the world. Full stop. It's not just that. Okay. Think about there's, a, there's an argument that in Spanish they say um, todos, meaning uh, everybody, right? So you got the Biden campaign, todos con Biden. Whoa, whoa, Biden. You said todos. That's a male word. Are you saying only all of the men with Biden? Why didn't you say todos y todas, which uh, todas is all the women with an A? It's because the language in a sense, is technically, you could argue, favoring women. Now, hear me out. There was this big thing that happened a while ago. I don't know much about it because it was told to me by an Argentinian friend that the, the prime premier, prime minister, president or whatever of Argentina said todos y todas, which means everyone and every woman. And apparently that was considered controversial because todos is the word that means everyone and it's male, but it does include females. Think about what that means. It means you have one word that means everyone and another word that means only women. There is no word for only men. The argument they're presenting, in my opinion, is actually a matriarchal, uh, is, that, is that there's a matriarchy. Why do women get special qualifiers to talk about them, but not the men, right? Well, they argue the inverse. They say todos is masculine and they just lump the women in, in, in with it. No, 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 no. That means you can describe all people with, with one word or all women, but not all men. 
So essentially the controversy, I guess, again, I, I don't know much about the story. I'm not from Argentina, was that she essentially said everyone and all of the women. It's like, wait, 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 wait. You already said everyone. So now they want to get rid of the O. So what would you say? Todexes? Like, Todexes, con Biden. No, that, you can't do that. And therein lies the big problem with this. Now, now, I'll stop right here. I know a little bit of Spanish. I used to know a lot more because I grew up in a Spanish-speaking area in the south side of Chicago. But uh, hey, don't take it from me. I saw this from some of my south side of Chicago friends posting on Facebook complaining that these woke white people are trying to tell them. The other thing I want to point out, too, is that the people I know from my community, because it was very, very Hispanic, they, they're very Christian. They're not super conservative. They're fairly moderate because they are very Christian. And this bothers them. And I'll tell you what, man, if anything is going to get them to vote for Trump, it's going to be this. It's going to be when Biden and Warren say Todexes, and they're going to be like, what did you just say? Imagine if like, I, 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 don't, I know it's not perfect because English isn't gendered, but imagine if instead of saying everyone, they said every person. You'd be like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. But the thing about the X is that they're not saying people. What if they said like, you know, uh, the Pueblos or whatever, you know, the people. You, you'd understand what that meant. So when, when Trudeau says people kind, those are words. What if Trudeau says X kind? You'd be like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know this. Well, X is inclusive of all species. You'd be like, what, X kind? Like, what does that mean? What if someone said, welcome every X? You'd be like, every X? What does that mean? Is the X a reference to women? It is, right? No, I, everybody has an X. So I guess that's the point. I have no idea what they're doing. They write, some maintain that Spanish is insufficiently woke. Marketers are now targeting Latinx consumers. Senator Elizabeth Warren marked Hispanic Heritage Month by, by promising in English and Spanish to champion Latinx families. Wow. Thanks. But marketing executives and politicians should understand that many of our families do not want to be called Latinx. The fact that the word is controversial makes its usage especially strange since modern social norms discourage applying loaded terms to minority groups. You know what, man? I'm curious. There is a disparaging word for Koreans. I have no problem saying it because it's my family. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've talked about this stuff. I can't say it on YouTube, though, even in reference to myself. But I was talking to a friend and I said, what if I told you from now on, I want to be referred to, an, by, by, referred to by this word? It's a very offensive slur for Korean people. I was told, no way, I'm not going to say that because someone else could hear and it would be offensive to them. And I said, but what about Latinx? What about, you know, Zzer? That's offensive to people. Well, that's different, they say, because that's trying. No, 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 no. You have to recognize that everything you say at any point could be offensive to somebody. Now, I understand Z and Zer is not intended to insult. However, it doesn't matter what your intention is. It matters if someone is offended. That's their argument, right? And the, and the proof is in the pudding. You have the Netflix executive who got fired for describing the N-word. We recently had a teacher. I don't, I don't have the story pulled up. You have to look into it because I didn't read most of it. I just saw the headline. But something about a teacher saying, don't call me the N-word. And they got fired for saying the N-word. There was one class where a professor was describing historical use of the word and said it. Teacher got in trouble. The point is, they don't care about context. Okay, if that's the case, Latinx is offensive. It's right here on use it today. They're telling it's offensive. Therefore, Latinx is a slur. Uh-oh. YouTube's going to ban me. I said a naughty word. At what point does YouTube determine enough people are offended by Latinx that this video gets banned? You see the inherent problem with all of the speech policing? I'll tell you what, man. USA Today, Giancarlo Sopo, 
a contributor to a major national publication, has just said, do not call us this, okay? From now on, anybody who says this is a bigot. YouTube, I demand, no, no, wait, stop, don't ban me. <laughs> but this is a really good uh, point to bring up in the, in the, in the discussion about you know, you know, words and stuff, in that if the progressives, the small minority of this country, determine this is not offensive, then everybody can use it. I can say it. I can say Latinx over and over and over again, even though they're offended by it. Yep. Even though it's offensive, belittling and, in, and anglicizing their culture, which is cultural imperialism, don't matter. Elizabeth Warren said so. We're allowed to say it. But I'll tell you what, I can't use a word historically used to disparage my community because it has been deemed by the progressives to be a no-no word. Well, how is that fair? Why can't I speak about this? I, I can't, right? You can easily look up. There's like one word for Koreans, okay? And I, I wonder why it's not fair that, that his, Latinos can be offended by this, but we're all allowed to say it. And I can't say a word to describe, you know, to, to talk about. Listen, this word I'm talking about using about Koreans, I would like to say it in an educational context to tell you what it is, but I can't because YouTube transcribes speech. It'll pop up in the text. YouTube will derank this and all of these really bad things will happen not Latinx, I assure you. In fact, because I've said Latinx so many times, it's probably going to run a bunch of ads for traditionally Hispanic, you know, items and stores and things like that. Because that's fine. Because the marketing companies, the progressive said so. But hey, 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 I'm not allowed to talk about my community. Yep. Welcome to 2019. Well, we're only about a month away, two months away from 2020. But this is the new decade. Maybe it'll go away. I have no idea. But I'll tell you this, Giancarlo, I'm really sorry. I really doubt anything you say will change these people because they are not Hispanic for the most part. They are mostly progressive white individuals with college degrees making more than six figures telling all of us mixed race, minority, immigrant, what we should or shouldn't believe. It's hilarious when they disparage Candace Owens. How dare you argue that we must step back and listen to the minority communities except her, except Kanye. No, it doesn't work that way. They don't actually care. They're just racist, in my opinion. They're, they're bigoted racists, cultural imperialists who believe they should be able to tell other communities what to believe and how to behave. And it's hilariously paradoxical. Well, there you go. I'll wrap it up there. You get the point. Look at this. What happened to multiculturalism? That was, that's what I was saying. Rather than making Latinos feel included, progressives are implying the way our families speak is fundamentally inadequate for the U.S. and progressive American culture. This is offensive to the 85% of Hispanics, Hispanics who, like my parents, speak Spanish to their children and whose most treasured heirlooms are often family traditions and memories in Spanish. Mine included the mellifluous sound of the baritone voice of my abuelo, mom's favorite boleros, and dad's military stories. Bigot. It's abuelex. It's bolerexes. <laughs> Has their language joined the ranks of comedian Dave Chappelle? the Betsy Ross flag, and the interminable list of people and things that perturb our politically correct sensibilities. This is a great article, by the way, man. You know what? The way I see it is, talk the way you want to talk. I mean, for the most part. You know, don't go around saying super offensive things. And um, I, I do want to end by saying uh, uh, this. An apology to, uh, to the writer. I pronounced your name incorrectly. You can see it written here. Um, I, I said earlier Giancarlo Sopo. Let me correct that. To Giancarlex Sopex. Thanks for, <laughs> I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. A British 21 year old solo female traveler 
has gone missing while visiting Cambodia. And I want to start this video by saying I hope she is found safe. I hope she was just lost. But uh, we're going to get pretty serious. We're going to get rather pessimistic. And I got to say, it's getting harder and harder for me to have sympathy for a lot of these people. There are a lot of YouTube channels about, you know, traveling the world, solo travelers. There was one woman who went to Syria and Pakistan. Forbes wrote an article that title, the title was something like Pakistan is a must go for solo female travelers. And I got to say, I'm a, I'm a bit offended by this. Okay. I, I, I want to, I want there to be more good in the world, but I also recognize there's a lot of bad in the world. And there are a lot of people who see these things online, these stories about these wonderful, beautiful trips that don't put what's actually happening in context, whether or not someone has a security detail whether or not someone even got vaccines and inoculations for the various parts of the world. Yes, when I've traveled working for Vice, I had to get like four shots in one day to travel to certain parts of the world. You can get diseases. Vaccinate your kids, by the way. So now we have the story of a British backpacker, 21, who went missing. Well, it turns out she was Google searching solo female travel and all this stuff. Listen, man, traveling is fun, all right? And I, I, I would love it if everyone could do it. But there's so much fear around telling the truth when it comes to the differences in identity and, you know, and feminism and sexism and all that stuff that people are avoiding very serious and real questions. They're not showing people what's actually going on. And now we're getting story after story of, of backpackers and hikers being kidnapped or worse. Listen, this story is one of the potentially tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of solo travelers. And it may be that overwhelmingly you will be safe and fine. But the reason I do this, the reason I talk about these stories and highlight the real dangers, okay, this woman is missing, is because we, have an, we are inundated by stories about people who do these wonderful adventures with no repercussions. And if that's the only thing we get in the news, you will end up with young women going online and searching for solo female travel because they saw a YouTube video and then thinking it is safe to travel alone in Cambodia. It's not. I've been around the world. I've been in very dangerous places. I am an adult man. I can fight. I can defend myself. And even I had to take extreme security precautions in many of these countries. Morocco was a hoot. Egypt was scary. In Egypt, we thought we were going <laughs> to, we thought bad stuff was going to happen in Egypt. In Brazil, I got, I had undercover cops detain me in a back room with no windows. And we thought we were going to get beaten up. Fortunately, they figured out who we were at the last minute and came in apologizing. I don't know what they thought or what they were planning on doing to us, bringing us into this weird shed. It was like, it was like a, a building in the back with no windows. And in order to get into it, you had to duck under some weird structure and then go into this door into this white room, which is a couch. And we were like, what is happening? And they took our phones. They turned our phones. You know, they eventually gave our phones back. But this stuff is real life, man. Okay, there are dirty cops, there are crooked cops, there are dirty soldiers, there are criminals, there are smugglers, there are drugs. You cannot just go to Cambodia by yourself. Man, this frustrates me to no end. Okay, when we would sit down in these meetings, we'd be like, hey, we were looking at going to Phnom Penh. We're we're looking at going to, I, I believe that's where she was originally going. We were looking at going to Cambodia and other countries, and we had to call a company and say, give us the intel in the area, what's happening, what we can expect, what are the crime rates, what areas should we avoid, what can't we eat? I kid you not. You need to learn when you're going to these places about what you can drink or eat. This is not a game. I got very, very sick in Brazil. I got very, very sick in Turkey. This is reality. 
Instead, you get these people looking at these videos that are edited to make everything. You know what, man? YouTube has this habit. People on YouTube, they, they love making these super happy travel videos where people are like, you know, they, they, they do these vlogs. And it's a known fact now that most of these vlogs, they hide the negative. Well, negativity is a real thing, man. There's a balance in the universe. You have people who make YouTube videos where they're like, everything is awesome. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a video of them like pale face with dark rings around their eyes next to their girlfriend or boyfriend going, we just can't do this anymore. You know, we can't take it. And it's because these videos you watch online, they don't show you what's truly, it's not news. It's not journalism. They're not sharing with you the truth. They're sharing with you the highlight reel to make you think the world is magical. And I, I hear you, man. Like, I feel you. The people who do these, this kind of content, you know, the, the world is fairly boring in a lot of ways. And in order to get people to watch, you need to inspire them and make them think, you know, they're seeing something magical. In reality, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of like, uh, so Casey Neistat, for instance, if you're not familiar, probably the vlogger, right? Now he doesn't do this. I'm not, I'm not criticizing him. He does show an overly positive, you know, view of his vlogs and stuff, but he does show his work. He does talk about it. And, and, and I think he's, what, what he does here in the U S it's, it's okay. But what he shows in his videos is that often he'll go outside, put the camera down, press record, walk back inside, then walk, then film himself walking out. You, you, you see, the point is Casey is making a, a show. When, 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 you, when you see a video of him walking out of his building and hopping on his board and riding away, it's because he set all of that up. It wasn't a natural prog- you know, phenomenon. It is, it is a fictional edit. He had to walk outside first. So the, that little thing you didn't see, it's the little things we don't talk about when we travel the world, okay? You know, when we make a documentary on, say, like Thailand or something, we don't start the video by saying, okay, so here's who we called, here's what we did, because we're not doing a background on, a pro- on the process. I think we should. I aim to do that more. It's part of what we're focusing on. But, but for, you know, for Vice and for other outlets, they're trying to tell a story not about them, but about what's happening in, say, Cambodia. People see these videos they see this magical rainbow world and they think, wow, Cambodia is so beautiful. Yeah, it's called an advert, dude. Somebody paid them to make a video to promote the tourist destination in a very dangerous place because they want money. Now, listen, I hope this young woman makes it out. Okay, let's read a little bit of the story because I could rant on this for 800 years. A 21-year-old British gap year student has disappeared while traveling alone through dense forests in Cambodia. I am, I am sorry, man. At a certain point, I, I just don't have sympathy for some of these people. But you know what? I don't blame her. She's young. She was excited. She wanted to travel. I don't think there's any individual or person at fault. I think her culture is at fault. She was traveling alone through dense forests in Cambodia? What did you think was going to happen, man? Amelia Bambridge from Worthing was traveling alone for the first time on the island of Koh Rong in the southwest of mainland Cambodia. She was last seen at a party on police beach 40 minutes away from her hostel and at 3 a.m. on Wednesday. The former Brighton, Hove, and Sussex sixth form student was due to check out of her youth hostel at noon yesterday to leave the island later in the afternoon with a friend. But her handbag, which had her purse, phone, and bank cards in it, was found on the beach after a party on Wednesday night. Her passport is still at the hostel, the Nest Beach Club said. Okay, I I hope she simply tripped in the forest. I hope she's lost fell down. Maybe she got hurt. I don't want to wish harm on her, but it is substantially better that she's just got a broken ankle somewhere in the woods yelling for help. But think about it. She's 40 minutes away from her hostel. Her purse and everything was left on the beach. 
So did she just get up and walk away from her purse? No one was sitting there. Listen, you're on the beach with your belongings, especially in a foreign country. You don't just leave your bag, get up and walk away for whatever reason. You have somebody watch it. It's possible she was with somebody and they were watching it. She never came back and they left. I don't know. But if she was with a friend, I guess she was traveling alone. They would have said, hey, she never came back and called the police right away. That's not what happened, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. It was found on the beach. You know what that sounds like to me? I hate to be a pessimist, man, because the story, you know, she's still missing. It's a relatively uh, new story. It sounds like she was taken. Okay. They left her stuff. But you know, actually, let me walk that back a little bit. I'd imagine if someone was taken, they take her stuff too. So I can't tell you. And I, I think we all just want to hope that she tripped in the woods, you know, sprained her ankle or something, and she'll be, she'll be found safe and, safe and sound. She has been declared officially missing by local authorities. Worried mother, Linda Bambridge, 52, is now taking an emergency flight to the island to join a search party of concerned locals and police. You know, I'm just so frustrated, man. We have, we have so, many, so many millennials who are never disciplined. They were never, I, I don't mean beaten. I mean like discipline. You know, stand at, at, at attention. Understand the, the realities of the world. Be responsible. And so what happens is they think the world is theirs. Everything belongs to them. What's yours is mine. They think they can just go to Cambodia. Listen, man, it may have been a, a I don't know, Cambodia has a, a giant jaguar or something, just snatched her up and has taken her off into the wilderness. I have no idea. But it's, it's, it's crazy to me to think, you know, even in the U.S., you can go missing. What makes you think you can travel alone through dense forests in Cambodia? Where are your parents? I, I, guess, I guess I had the benefit of growing up on the south side of Chicago, where it was rough and tumble, where most of us were poor, a lot of people were on drugs. And I've, I, it's, you know, I've lived in these places and seen the dangers, seen reality, you know, gang fights, all that stuff. And so I think, man, if it was that dangerous in a city... What must it be like in the middle of the woods? Yeah, there's bears. You killed by a bear. You can get bitten by a possum, get rabies or something. But man, I tell you what, the most dangerous predator of them all, human beings. So in the U.S., fortunately, we have a lot of laws and cultural standards. And these things are, you know, to an extent rare. But guess what? Some people break the law. They're criminals. Now, what makes you think you can go into the middle of the woods in Cambodia? Man, I just don't understand, you know. But I will say this, there's uh, these ideas, these, these passions, you know, this is a learning moment. This young woman, everything she's done, I hope if, you know, I hope she's found safe and I hope after the fact she starts speaking about, you know, the dangers and how I think, you know, media and the internet, we want to tell everybody they can do whatever they want. You know, we especially tell young women, like you can travel the world solo and go to Syria and Pakistan. I kid you not, they did that. There's a harsh reality that people need to understand. In the news business, we have to walk a very fine line because of legalities in the U.S. But the truth is, and they'll tell you this, you know, if they trust you, you will not be allowed to do certain interviews if you're a man, and you will not be allowed to do certain interviews if you're a woman. They are not going to send a woman to a football match in Algeria where women are banned. You see the point? Here's the problem. If you tell a woman, you cannot do this job because you're a woman. Guess what happens? You get sued. So what do you do? And that's, that's, I'm basing that off a true story. Look that up. Vice, Algeria, woman, sue, sexism, all that stuff. I'm not, it's not, it's not the exact same story. I'm just making a point. There are certain stories that I wasn't allowed to do because it involved women and tribes and traditional uh, cultures in various parts of the world. It's a reality. 
Now, in entertainment and media, you are allowed to discriminate when casting. But this was an interesting space where they literally said, we cannot send a woman to do this story. Okay, go take it up with the EEOC. And then, and then what ends up happening is I'm in Egypt and you have a 26-year-old Dutch woman. I'll just call it gang assault in the middle of Tahrir Square. White, blonde, I, what were they thinking? So, you know, this young woman, apparently they say that she was Google searching solo female travel. She spent the last year Googling solo female traveling, looking at pages and blogs and sorting out everything. And you know what she was seeing? She was seeing a highlight reel of positivity. When you watch these videos of me traveling, you don't see the security guy on the other side of the camera. You don't see the phone call we do with the international security firm that's doing, that's monitoring various regions. You don't hear the conversation where they say, our sources on the ground in Thailand say you're going to need body armor. They, they, don't, they don't hear that. And then there's, I got a photo of me wearing body armor in Thailand. I'll tell you why. When I was there, somebody threw a grenade. When I was there, somebody had, I believe, uh, um, I, I can't remember which kind of rifle, but they put a shopping bag over a rifle and they were walking in the, in, in the middle of the street with a shopping bag and they were shooting at each other. One of the trucks we rode in had blood splat, uh, that, we, that we checked out had blood splatter on the ground. Because while they were riding in it, you know, cheering for the government, it was, a, it was a protest conflict, somebody chucked a grenade into it. We needed to know all of that before going to Bangkok. And Bangkok is a big tourist destination with a massive mall. It's a massive city. And I have friends who tell me, like, oh, I'm going to go. And I said, are you paying attention to the, the, the martial law and to what's going on with the government and the king and all that? And they're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe you should. Because you might find yourself in a very, very different, uh, uh, di- uh, dangerous situation. We went to one place where a giant scaffolding was, was just ripped. To, like they, they, they damaged the bottom of the whole thing collapsed. And you get these young people who are like, hey, I'm just going to go to rural Cambodia and trek through the woods. Where are your parents? A serious question. Where are the parents? There's, I, I think so much of what we're seeing today, so much of these problems in the U.S. is that parents are not teaching their kids. We got young men in crisis, not going to school, staying at home. Stop pampering your kids. We got young women thinking they can go to rural Cambodia and trek through the woods by themselves. You got people going to Morocco and other countries and they end up in, well, their lives end. And it's because no one, no one told them, stop. The world does not belong to you. There is danger. It is real. And you need to learn how to survive. But I'll tell you what, this story, you may as well as told, you may as well have told me this young woman walked straight into a fire, straight into a fire. Can you walk through fire and be okay? Yeah, depending on the fire. But in this instance, it's like the risk for danger is extremely high. You Googled some stuff online and you thought, I'm going to go do that. Where were your parents say, listen, fire burns. Do you know what you need to do if you find yourself in the middle of the woods? I'll ask you this. And you should really think about this. Every one of you ask yourself right now, you find yourself alone in the middle of the woods. What's the first thing you need? Everyone gets it wrong. The next question, what's the second thing you need? I want you to go and Google it so that you know, you know exactly what you have to do if you find yourself with a broken leg in the middle of the woods. Maybe, maybe that's what happened. Maybe she fell down a hill. Maybe she was going to take a leak or something, tripped, fell, hurt her foot. Now she's stuck. Okay. What's the first thing you got to do? You need to look that up. On my phone, I have like five different survival guides, not because I ever expect to be lost out in the wilderness, but because I will be, I, what's, I don't want to swear. Uh, uh, I would be unhappy if I was forced to rely on anyone other than myself. Responsibility starts with you. And as they say, 
Chance favors the prepared or luck favors the prepared. Okay. You want to survive an accident, be it walking on on a nature hike near your house, you fall down, you get lost. What do you do? But you know what we have now is the opposite of that. These people, these young people aren't bothering to Google search. I'm going to walk in the desert. No, they watch this video where you see one person filming like they're holding their phone going like everything's so great. You don't realize they got two security guys in front and a sound person in front. And they're making, it's a show, dude. It's a show. A lot of people travel solo. And if they don't take precautions, they're buying lottery tickets every time. And you can get away with it for a certain amount of time. But the problem is you get these young people who see this Google solo female travel stuff and they're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go literally hike in the woods in rural Cambodia by myself. You get the point, man. I, I, I'm, I'm done. It's not the last story we're going to hear about this. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on the main channel. I will see you all there. Score one point for the angry leftists who have effectively shut down UK's first Chick-fil-A. They've announced that they are closing after just eight days due to protests continuing last weekend, even after Chick-fil-A stated that it will be packing up its waffle fries and pickle slices in six months. Well, there it is. There have been many circumstances where Chick-fil-A has been blocked by protesters or most recently, I think it was Toronto. The first Chick-fil-A opened up and protesters shut it down. I would like to stress that I've, I've stated this in the past. This is the most important point. If you want people to vote for the right, vote conservative, reelect Trump. I know this is the UK. All you got to do is go and block their chicken sandwich restaurant because they will not understand anything you're talking about. You will look insane and they will say, dude, it's a chicken shop. Why? I don't know what you're talking about. The assumption that people know anything about this is absurd. So what do you think happens? The Chick-fil-A down the street from me, there's line, the, the, it is ridiculous. It takes like a half an hour to get food. It is so jam-packed all the time. You know, I, I must admit, I absolutely love talking about the Chick-fil-A protest stuff because it is the perfect example of how cancel culture insanity leads to Donald Trump. Regular dude gets off work, he's tired, he's got sweat in the pits, and he's stressed out, and he's like, man, I would kill for a, for a Chick-fil-A with, with pepper jack, you know, Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh, it just sounds so delicious. I'll get a milkshake. I'll get cookies and cream. And he pulls up and there's a bunch of angry people waving signs. And he goes, no, I just want a chicken sandwich at the end of a hard day to take that bag home, sit down with some friends and family, put my feet up and say it was all worth it. Let me tell you a story. It's a story back to the depression. I can't remember where it comes from, but it's about a man who made very, very little money. And every day after work, he would go and buy a single rose. And that rose was expensive. It was kind of expensive relative to how much money he made. It was about a quarter or more of of the money he earned in the day. And he would go home and put on his table. And one day he was buying the rose. And the man said, you come here every day and buy a single rose. But surely it's too expensive. There's no work. You must save money. Your family must be, be, be hurting. And he said, the rose on my table every day is the only thing that makes all of this worth it. So what do you think happens when you shut down that end of the day, sweet, delicious treat, that Chick-fil-A sauce, that chicken that's spiced perfectly with those waffle fries that everybody loves, the most popular restaurant in this country. What do you think happens when you shut it down? Do you think you earn fans? You're not st- stopping bigotry. You're stopping a chicken sandwich shop. Let's read a little bit of this story here from Vice. They say in mid-2011, 
Kim Kardashian was married to then New Jersey Nets player Chris Humphreys for all of 72 days. In the summer of 2017, Anthony Scaramucci served as the White House communications director for 10 days. But it took only eight days for the first Chick-fil-A in the UK to announce that it would be closing at the end of its ultra-brief contract. On October 10th, the Chick-fil-A opened at the Oracle Shopping Center in Reading, a town of more than 218,000 in southern England. The restaurant was almost immediately protested by Reading Pride, an LGBTQ advocacy organization. The chain's ethos and moral stance goes completely against our values and that of the UK as we are a progressive country that has legalized same-sex marriage, excuse me, for some years and continues to strive towards equality. No, no, I disagree with that assessment because you've got major protests right now in your country because the, is, the, the, the Muslim community is upset over LGBTQ teachings at these schools. So you're not coming closer to equality. It's actually getting worse. And you've got feminists showing up and arguing with, with, with Muslims, and it's all sorts of crazy. Pick one. I don't know who you're trying to protect here, but this is a chicken sandwich shop. You'd think you'd be more concerned about the people protesting your schools. All right. No chicken for anybody. Well, you know what? Here's, here's the tweet. This Saturday in R.D. Guck, I don't re, uh, reading, uh, or UK, okay, reading UK, we'll be peacefully protesting Chick-fil-A outside the Broad Street Oracle Reading entrance at, uh, from 11 a.m. Meeting at 10 a.m., the blog, uh, the, the Blagrave for debrief, for debrief and breakfast, say no to bigotry and hatred on your high street. I'm really surprised that Chick-fil-A was, uh, uh, was willing to shut down. It's not the first time they faced protests. I wonder what is particularly unique about, uh, about the UK. Now, I got to do something special today. I do this rarely, maybe once a month, but I do have a sponsor. And that sponsor is the one sponsor that has stuck with me since I started doing YouTube, Virtual Shield. Uh, so, so please consider you know, sitting through this just because they, they really do help me out. At a time with demonetization, with de-ranking, with companies saying, you know, no advertising, Virtual Shield has been there for me. It's a virtual private network service. That means it's a basic level of security. You know, I, I normally describe it as we don't expect someone to break into our house, but we still lock our doors. And if someone really wanted to, they could kick your door in, but you lock it, right? That's kind of what a VPN is. It's not perfect security, but it does provide you that basic level so that bad actors, governments, it makes it much, much harder for them to spy on you, to steal your data. And there's a bunch of other perks and benefits you can find by going to hidewithtim.com. Right now, there's a 25% off special for Halloween. For just $3.74 per month, you can start now for free. So uh, I will stress, I, 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 I'm, I say I stress too much, but anyway, Virtual Shield has been there for me. I really, really am grateful that they stick around. And at least, you know, once a month or every so often, they're willing to um, sponsor one of, my, one of my videos. And in line with the woke outrage and cancel culture shutting people down, I thought it was apt to, to do a promo. When these people come for my videos and they try to get them shut down, you know, it, it gets demonetized. The, the people will flag it and it caused me all, all sorts of problems. Right now, there's a big smear campaign against me on Wikipedia where they're trying to go in my wiki and inject that I was a conspiracy theorist simply because out of the thousand plus hours of content I've produced, one time in one sentence, I said a Fox News report about Seth Rich may be true, but I give it a 57 to 60% chance. That's it. 10 seconds out of a thousand. And they're trying to smear me. So, you know, when we see stories about how Chick-fil-A gets shut down, I always want to make sure I give my, uh, my thanks to Virtual Shield. So definitely go to hidewithtim.com. Check it out. I, I do recommend VPN services for a variety of reasons. You know, it, it, it helps keep you safe to a certain extent, stop people from spying on you. And there's a lot of benefits. Check it out. Anyway, let's get back to the news. They say, 
Chick-fil-A has been criticized for its anti-LGBT attitude since CEO Dan Cathy walked to two news outlets, uh, talked to two news outlets, not walked there, about his opposition to same-sex marriage back in 2012. We are very much supportive of the family, the biblical definition of the family unit, he told the biblical recorder. Whoa, hold on. So one guy, seven years ago, talked about supporting the family, and now you're trying to shut down every single Chick-fil-A. First of all, I'm shocked Chick-fil-A shut down, right? Like I said, but you're not winning. You, 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 you get this one, UK, you get this one, cancel culture, but Chick-fil-A is expanding like crazy. It is delicious. And you know what I do whenever I see these stories? It makes me want to go get Chick-fil-A. Now I'm sitting here thinking like, oh man, because you, know, you, you know what you can do? You can actually get, I like getting spicy chicken with, I think you can do pepper jack and Colby. And then I just get tons of Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't do the fries though, because it's too, you know, starchy, but the fries are delicious. But I like getting, you know, like chicken strips. So it's just like chicken upon chicken. And as much as I do talk about the milkshakes, I don't do it. Anyway, whenever I do a video about this, I love talking about what they sell because it's kind of the point, right? Dude, every business has somebody who supports some kind of political message. You just don't know about it. So because one guy seven years ago said, here's what I believe, you're now like, it's, it's like, this is it. I, I, love the, I love the meme where it's like, imagine 50 years from now where they mention that the LGBTQ community's arch rival was a chicken sandwich shop. And people are going to be like, I don't quite understand. And they're going to say, well, one guy at some point expre- expressed his beliefs. And so they targeted the restaurants. Dude, there are literally nonprofits dedicated to Christian biblical family units. You could actually go to a big building in like Georgia and stand in front of the actual building advocating for religious beliefs. Instead, you're going to a chicken shop because of someone's passive actions. And now all I can do is sit here and think about how hungry I am and how I think, don't they have one with bacon on it? There's like a bacon one. Man, Chick-fil-A is pretty good. (laughs) Every time I do videos about this, I'm willing to bet local Chick-fil-A, like Chick-fil-A restaurant sales go up. So, so actually, let me make, let me make that point. They, uh, uh, whenever these protests try and shut down Chick-fil-A, for one, they mostly fail. But then there's a bunch of YouTubers and articles. Look at Vice wrote about this. A bunch of articles pop up advertising Chick-fil-A. You could not ask for better press. Oh, sure. You can rag on them, but I'll tell you what. Check it out. You want to rag on Chick-fil-A, okay? You want to protest them? Fine. Who are you protesting for? And who cares? Average person doesn't care. Average person likes Chick-fil-A. Now get this. How about all the Chick-fil-A restaurants in conservative Christian areas where now people are going to hear about this story and be like, we're getting Chick-fil-A tonight. And they're going to go to Chick-fil-A and the manager's going to be like, oh, Jim, you're, you know, you don't come in that often. I see you here tonight. Big line. And then the guy in the, in the, in the driveway is going to be like, oh, yeah, protesters tried shutting down another Chick-fil-A. So we decided to go out and buy chicken sandwiches. I'd be willing to bet there is a, there is a sales spike every time the protests happen. I'd be willing to bet the sales spike will be larger now because they actually shut the shop down. That's, that's messed up. So, you know, you know what? Here's the thing. These Chick-fil-A restaurants, as far as I know, are franchises. It's actually really cheap to launch your own franchise, but they have really strict rules. So this is on the, this, this is the decision of likely the individual who started the business. Man, I don't know what you were thinking because Chick-fil-A, it's like they only, they only allow individuals to own like one restaurant. You have to be dedicated to it. So here you have somebody who dedicated all this time and energy and investment into opening a shop, and now they're just caving after eight days? To me, that's nuts. You should not have done this. I don't know what, what you think the issue is. You think people are going to protest every single day? They're not. How after eight days are you shutting down? For shame. I mean that. But you know what? Hey. <laughs> UK, you do you. 
I got a Chick-fil-A a couple blocks away, and uh, I'm going to go and get me some chicken sandwiches after this. I actually got a couple more segments to record for you, so, so there's your news. Stick around. A couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Rachel Maddow has gone rogue against NBC, and I'm surprised to say I'm definitely on her side. She's calling out NBC for shielding Weinstein and Lauer. And she reveals NBC is releasing all former employees from their NDAs in bombshell interview with Ronan Farrow. Credit where credit is due, Rachel Maddow, excellent work. I have been ridiculously critical of you, Rachel, because of the Russiagate stuff, capitalizing off a fringe conspiracy without evidence. But this, this is good. And when you do good, I will always praise good behavior. In this instance, Rachel Maddow targeting her own company at great personal risk, Actually, I should should walk that back. I think there's definitely risk. You know, she's playing hardball, but she's doing the right thing. And ultimately, I think NBC will have no choice but to back down. With her as one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent MSNBC personalities speaking up, maybe even one of the most prominent NBC personalities. She's very famous. She is putting her weight behind making this company do the right thing. And I have tremendous respect for that. Because when you get a big player at a company, go to the bosses and say, I'll walk. You know, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's even worse, right? So this has to do with Matt Lauer, Weinstein, and how we learned, thanks to Ronan Farrow's real journalism, that they were shielding these people. It was an, there, was a, there was an excellent report by Chris Hayes where he said, the path of least resistance is what most people take. Don't do the story. It's too hard. There's too much to deal with. Let's just take the easy route. Don't call out these, these evil individuals and, and the things they're doing to women. Let's take the easy way out. In this instance, I must stress, Rachel Maddow is not taking the easy way out. She's, she's rocking the ship and she's pushing back and it could cause problems for her in the future. But ultimately, I think she will, she will earn some points on this one. So let's read the story from the Daily Mail. Before we get started, make sure you head over to TimCast.com slash donate to support my work. More importantly, share this video if you like what I do, because, you know, deranking, demonetization, seriously sharing it is powerful. If 100,000 people watch this and everyone shared this video, it would actually end up being a million people. Imagine if everyone shared this, it would be like infinitely viral. I, you know, and I'm not saying this one particular, particular story deserves that, but how cool would it be if it never stopped getting shared because literally everybody shared it? But you don't, and that's fine. You don't have to, but thank you to the people who do. Daily Mail reports, Rachel Maddow has gone after NBC executives in light of claims by journalist Ronan Farrow that they blocked reporting on Harvey Weinstein and handed enhanced severance payouts to female employees in exchange for their silence about alleged harassment. The presenter, 46, told viewers during the Friday edition of her Rachel Maddow show that she was disturbed by the allegations and that they have caused considerable anxiety for people working at the company. Maddow works at NBC's sister network, MSNBC, and both are owned by NBC Universal, which is headquartered at 30 Rock. I love that show, by the way. The allegations about the behavior of Harvey Weinstein and former NBC star Matt Lauer are gut-wrenching at baseline, no matter who you are or what your connection is to this story. Now, let me stop for a second and say this. Innocent until proven guilty. I believe at a certain point, there is such a preponderance of evidence, we will lean one way. With all of the accusations against, against Weinstein and Lauer, I lean towards, I don't believe in massive conspiracies between 30 plus accusers or whatever, right? But, but, you know, it is possible, right? We need evidence. So it's important now that they do release the NDAs for all of these people who felt harassed and we learn about why. And I'll tell you this, the worst thing you can do if you're innocent 
is pay out a settlement. The worst thing you can do, because that is considered proof in the public. If someone comes out and you're at a company and they accuse you of something, say, I will see you in court unless you're guilty. And you'll say, please don't say anything. How much money do you want? Which leads me to believe it's likely these payouts are at least part, uh, partly, they, they lend themselves to the idea that Lauer and Weinstein are guilty. But here's the thing. Settlements are cheaper than court. Sometimes people say, fine, fine, I'll sign the check, go away. That's a mistake. It will come back to haunt you, as we're learning now. She then took aim at the bosses from her sister network, saying, but accusations, uh, but accusations of people in positions of authority in this building may have been, com- uh, but accusations people in positions of authority in this building may have been complicit in some way of shielding those guys from accountability. Those accusations are very, very hard to stomach. She added, the amount of consternation this has caused among the rank and file people who work here would be almost impossible for me to overstate. I love this. Excellent work, Rachel, for calling this out. I may disagree with you on a lot of things, and I may have, I may have been critical of you in the past, but you do good, you get praise, and I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing. Check this out from Matto Blog. NBC Universal offers to release any former NBC News employee who believes they cannot disclose their experience. Yes, spot on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It was Megyn Kelly recently who was on Tucker Carlson, I believe, and she said that NBC should do this. And I'll tell you what, man, Megyn Kelly alone didn't have the weight and she's not at the company anymore. So they probably said, we don't care what she says. But then Maddow came up right behind her and says, no, 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 we're playing hardball. And now NBC is like, "Uh uh-oh. And guess what? We're going to learn about what really happened. And I'll tell you, if, the, if it turns out some, some of these accusations are false, we'll, prob- well, we got evidence now, right? Let's, let's let these people speak up. In reality, I think we're going to learn about how these major corporations have this elite club that if you're not in, you don't get special benefits, and they abuse people, they abuse their staff, and they do, they, they do messed up stuff. That's what they do. The path of least resistance. I got to say, in this regard, Ronan Farrow, formerly of MSNBC, right? Is that, is that correct? Uh, Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow, they're hitting home runs, okay? I, 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 maybe I'm missing something, you know, but I got to say, if NBC, transparency is good, let's learn about what they were doing. And I'm glad to see Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow stepping to the forefront and taking that, taking that lead and backing up Megyn Kelly. I mean, that's, that's impressive. That's the kind of bipartisanship we need in this country, taking down these massive corporate corrupt individuals playing cover for these sleazy dudes playing games. And then Megyn Kelly, Rachel Maddow, Side by side, holding hands, charging forward. Oh, I'm being kind of silly. But anyway, let's read more. They say, on the program, Maddow announced NBC Universal will release that. We read that. Maddow read out a statement from the media conglomerate, which declared, any former NBC News employee who believes that they cannot disclose their experience with harassment as a result of a confidentiality or non-disparagement provision in their separation agreement should contact and we will release them from that perceived obligation. Woo, things are about to get spicy at NBC. This is going to be nuts. NBC has been in the headlines in recent weeks following the release of Pharaoh's book, uh, Pharaoh's book, Catch and Kill, in which he alleges the company stonewalled him from reporting on Harvey Weinstein while he was employed as a reporter at the network. And not only that, I think it was Chris Hayes who pointed this out, that he, he, he leaves then publishes this groundbreaking story showing, you know, Weinstein and all the accusations against him. And the question is, you know, NBC tries denying, oh, we never told me couldn't do this. Oh, it's like, interesting. Then why did he quit? If he could do the story, why did he quit? Why is this book coming out in this way? And you know what? Now you can see that these, these top personalities at MSNBC backing him up shows 
that there are a lot of principled people at MSNBC, shocking for me to say, but who are going to support him. And I'm glad to hear it. Make, you know, hold these people accountable, man. I don't care if you're Trump, Maddow, Tucker, anybody. If you're going to come out and you're going to say, we want to hold this person accountable, let's, 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 let's hear it out. I want evidence. Let's hear it out. And that includes the impeachment increase, which shouldn't be in secret. Matt Gates had a really good explanation of the problem going on here. Selective leaks. Okay. But look, Barr's going to investigate. Come on, man. If everybody wants to chill out, let's see what's really going on. Let's, 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 let's see the evidence. And I'm glad. Uh, transparency, right? They say, the book also contained an allegation from a former NBC staffer who alleges network star Matt Lauer forced himself on her while they were on assignment together at the 2014 Winter Olympics. Now, here's the important part. Lauer denies this. And apparently this woman also claimed that she was exchanging favors for career favors, in which case many people have challenged the allegation. So if that's the case, let's get more information out there. And Ronan Farrow's book showed that where she said, you know, she claims wrongdoing. Lauer denies it. But then Lauer goes on to, to explain that it was a, it was a consensual affair that he shouldn't have done. And then the woman actually claims she was doing it for career benefits, in which case you, 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 got, you got to look into that story for yourself. But there's nuance in these circumstances. So I don't, they're showing uh, two of the, um, the uh, executives here. They say afterward, Farrow appeared on Maddow's show for an interview during which they discussed the non-disclosure agreement several female employees signed when parting the company after alleging misconduct. Their payouts reportedly included larger than usual sums of money known as enhanced severance. And that's how you settle without settling. Because when you settle, then you create a paper trail that the accusation was made and it looks like you're guilty. Deny it, but enhanced severance and they get their money and they get defense against you making these claims. These women considered these to be payouts to silence them. Executives involved told me they were payouts to silence them, Pharaoh's client. Wow, executives involved told me they were payouts to silence them. Wow. This is, this is incredible. I got to say, man, props to the MSNBC staff, to Maddow, for holding their own accountable. I'm really impressed. It is so rare that, that someone is willing to call out their own people. For real. Nobody, you know, Trump recently said we got a wall in Colorado and then claimed it was a joke. It's like, dude, you have, there's no reason you can't just say, I meant Arizona. I did slip of the tongue. That's no, it's no big deal. Instead, all the Trump supporters saying he was making a joke. It's like, listen, man, come on. He misspoke. It's not a big deal. And that's, and, and, and that's not the worst of it, but it's a point I want to make in a recent news story where it's like, if something happens bad on your side, just say it. Because when you come out and admit it, you look like the bigger person. So props to MSNBC for doing this. I do try to keep these short, so I'll, so I'll wrap it up. He, Ronan went on Fox News. This is incredible. I'm, I'm so stoked by this. I'm glad to see Ronan going on both of these channels. We're having a shared reality once again. And it's, and it's shocking because Rachel and Chris Hayes willing to call out their own network. Well, that means we can finally move forward. If we're all willing to point out the bad guys and say, you know, let's get some, let's get some clarity on the matter. I'm, I'm stoked. This is, this is good news. This is a good day, huh? I mean, we're learning about some bad stuff, but it's cool that, uh, check this out. That day, journalist Yasher Ali reported that an unnamed NBC Universal executive said there's been no change in the network's executive leadership, quote, because Ronan behaves like a terrorist and we're not going to, what? That is bold. That is bold. But Pharaoh hit back in an interview with Fox's Shannon Bream, stating, when you hear rhetoric like journalists being called terrorists, we're living in a moment where our political leaders have sometimes used authoritarian rhetoric try and describe the press as the enemy of the people. That's NBC News exec, NBC executives, man. NBC Universal, Universal executives. So you know what, man? 
I'm all for transparency and accountability and some honesty. And, I'm, and, and I'll wrap it up just by saying um, props to Rachel Maddow for pointing the finger within her own network for the wrongdoing they did. I think she'll come out looking pretty good on this one, and I have respect for it. I'll still criticize the years of the Russian nonsense and capitali- capitalizing on it. You're not, a, you're not out of the woods on that one yet, but this is a, this is a move in the right direction. So um, my respect. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you shortly. According to a new survey, majority of Americans want to change the First Amendment. A study found that people want jail time for hate speech as they call for updates to 200-year-old law to reflect cultural norms of today. Well, it was fun while it lasted. I'd like to give this a round of special thanks to the Founding Fathers who gave us 200-plus years of uh, expanding growth and prosperity, freedom, liberty for all, but now it's officially done. And we can see that 50, what does it say? 54%, no, 51% of Americans believe the First Amendment adopted in 1791 should be updated to reflect the cultural norms of today. Well, there you go. It's been fun, guys. Appreciate it. You know, uh, recently a law was proposed in Boston that would affect, I believe, all, uh, no, no, it was proposed in Massachusetts that would make the B word a criminal offense to use disparagingly. You would be fined and potentially face six months in jail time. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If you ever get to that point, I will walk around shouting those words relentlessly. Now, listen, there's a big difference between social acceptance, cultural norms, and trying to jail someone. So when it comes to like the pronoun debate, my my issue is not with individual respect. I have absolutely no problem and encourage others to respect each other. My problem is with the government trying to force me to do something. Because perhaps you may have noticed I'm a bit anti-authoritarian and quite contrarian sometimes. So come and tell me to do it and I will say, no, you can't tell me what to do. But now we can see we're heading down a dangerous path. It's been fun, you know, but listen, you might be thinking we'll never change the first amendment. It'll never happen. We get to the point where these young snowflakey type individuals who are terrified of mean words become the overwhelming majority. Yeah, you'll see these changes. You want to talk about the amendments of the constitution? How about this one? Government shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, the press. Uh, pretty sure we got a ton of laws on which you can or can't say. You can't incite people to violence. Now, here's the thing. I agree with that. Directing, giving instruction, or inflaming. I, I, I understand why we say you can't do that. But in reality, we must accept that is in violation of the First Amendment. Now, here's the thing. The court's rule, Supreme Court essentially, it, 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 it varies They basically say, well, the spirit of the First Amendment was meant to protect the right to expression, not the right to cause crimes and violate the law or to encourage others to do so. In which case, we don't think the founding fathers meant this. Now we go to the Second Amendment. Now things get start start getting interesting. They say uh, um, the right of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, Well, define arms, define bear, define infringed, because now things start getting messy. They've already banned a ton of arms. So yes, they've infringed. I'm not an absolutist when it comes to the Constitution because I do believe there is a reasonable approach to trying to interpret what the founding fathers meant and what can protect our society. So having a bunch of people run around shrieking and inciting violence is a real, really bad thing for us. And to that regard, yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and say having a bunch of people running around with like rocket launchers probably would be bad for us. And so I can understand why we put limits on it. I will also add as well, just for for Beta O'Rourke who doesn't get this, did you know you can legally own a tank? He said something like, you can't legally own a tank, you know, we have laws on it. 
no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong, bruv. <laughs> you can. So anyway, the point I'm making, you want to argue that we will always have free speech. I'll tell you the answer is we're not going to if this trend continues. Because while most of us can agree that don't incite to violence, that makes sense. It's against the law. That's, that's not what the First Amendment meant. They're now saying the same thing. Well, we'll hate speech at a time, you know, the, cl- the colonizers and the imperialists. And so now they're trying to change it once again. This is not for the betterment of society. I will say at the very least, I'm glad that it's a roadblock from stopping dictatorships and authoritarians from just imposing their will. If it turns out that the majority of the people demand the change, I think it's a very devastating and dangerous change for our society. And we're getting, we're getting to that point. Let's read a little bit, read a little bit of the story. And before I move on, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. But the most important thing you can do, share this video. This one in particular, if 51% of Americans believe that the First Amendment should be updated, hate speech should be criminal, we've got serious problems and we need to talk about this. So please consider sharing this to help me grow the channel and continuing the work that I do, but also spreading the idea of why free speech is so important. And I'm going to break down for you why it's so important. Check this out. In it, they talk about how, you know, they go through the the basic numbers. They say as far as punishment for hate crimes, some 54% of those Americans surveyed found they would prefer possible jail time, while another 46% shared they would want nothing more than a ticket or a fine. But here's where it gets interesting. When you scroll down to look at what they wanted to restrict, 52% of survey takers wanted racists to be restricted. 50% wanted neo-Nazis restricted. 46% said radical Islam, 35% said Holocaust deniers, 20% of survey takers wanted anti-vaccine advocates restricted, and 18% said climate change deniers. The campaign for free speech determined that most don't actually understand what the First Amendment protects. After some 79% of respondents believed that the First Amendment allows anyone to say their opinion no matter what, and they are protected by law from any consequences of those thoughts or opinions. (laughs) Here's the thing. You can see that there is no consensus on what should be restricted. And that's why we decided as a government to back away and just allow people to say their opinions. Because I'll tell you what, man, if right now 51% believe we should, we should criminalize hate speech. Okay. What happens when 51% decides that we should criminalize you, your ideas, the things you like? What happens if all the, I mean, look, you know, what's really, really funny about all this Who's in control of the government right now? Uh, the Republicans. And they want to get rid of 1A and 2A at a time when Donald Trump is, is, is in the White House and is, is facing re-election by a landslide? How absurd. How uh, woefully and terribly absurd. They're saying, we don't like the evil orange man who's taken over our government, but give up, we should give up our right to speech and our right to bear arms. What? Are you crazy? Now should be the time you're advocating for those rights. Of course, they like to simultaneously claim the First Amendment, woo, protect the press, Trump, how dare you? At the same time, the First Amendment, oh, we shouldn't have free speech. Okay, okay, okay. They say, according to Bob Leistad, executive director of the Campaign for Free Speech, the findings are frankly extraordinary. Our free speech rights and our free press rights have evolved well over 200 years, and people now seem to be rethinking them, he explained to the Washington Free Beacon. Leistad explained that hate speech was not defined in the survey allowing respondents to draw their own conclusions by what it meant. I think our, our findings are fueled in large part because of a rise of hate speech. But traditionally, hate speech is protected in the First Amendment. The Supreme Court has upheld that principle time and time again. Lystead and the group believe hate speech should be denounced 
but don't believe censorship should be to be the solution. Hate speech should be condemned, but legally, the answer to speech we don't like is more speech, not censorship. Our primary focus is education and to help people better understand the First Amendment, free speech, free press, and why it's so vital to our democracy. Now, the First Amendment is not free speech. You may be saying, but Tim, it is no. Listen, the First Amendment is, I believe, five rights. The freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, free, uh, uh, right to regis of grievances, and what's the, what's the fifth one? I always, I always, I, I had them all in my head, and I'm like, okay, now I got to make sure I recite the five perfectly. Someone comment for me, because um, regis of grievances, free press, free speech, free religion, and now I missed the other one. Freedom of speech? Whatever. I'm not good at doing lists. I'm terrible. I am an imperfect person. But you get the point. The First Amendment protects a variety of rights, not just speech. And too many people right now conflate free speech with the First Amendment, okay? So while I've made the point that no one can agree on what should be banned and how it should be banned, let me just stress, okay? When people say freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences, they're saying literally nothing because everything has consequences. If I stood up right now, there would be a consequence. My video would be strange and likely ruined. Everything you do is a consequence. My words right now, it's all consequence. If I choose to eat chicken or eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there will be a consequence to that. Okay. How much protein, how many carbs, everything has a consequence. They, they, they put off, you know, what really, really bothers me is that XKCD comment comic you may have seen, where he's like, people, the First Amendment, they're showing you the door. It's like the dude has no idea what he's talking about. And he pulled that one out of thin air. And it makes no sense because the First Amendment is not about free speech. It is about a multitude of rights the government can't take away. They can't infringe upon. But here's the reality. Okay. You can say what you want. And here's what they do. Oh, it's so annoying. In these forums, they'll be like, why are the right wingers arguing for the right to incite violence? It's like, nobody said that. Never. Like some, some people, fine, I'll give you that. But it's like 10 people who are like, I'm an absolutist and we should be allowed to do this. No, you shouldn't. And most conservatives are simply saying, let people have their opinions, even if their opinions are bad. It's called freedom. But they want to take that away. So it's, it's all just these false arguments. But boy, I'll tell you what, man. Look at the screen. There you go. We're here. We are at the era now where 51% of Americans believe the First Amendment should be updated. Now, but what does that really mean? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me walk something back to correct myself. What does that really mean? Okay. Updated to reflect our society. That could mean to improve speech. But they do say, as far as punishment, 54% of those Americans surveyed found they would prefer possible jail time. I'll tell you what, man. That we, we've already seen it. Okay. Whether you want to admit it or not, there have been people who have been locked up for rap lyrics in the United States. Yep. It's worse in the UK. But it's happening here. And... Uh, uh, it'll get worse. It will. Everything we see is flowing in one direction. So what can you expect? Now, I, I, will, I will walk back, I guess, you know, with my main channel video about Kanye West and conservative Christianity and things like that, Trump landslide, maybe people are finally fed up and maybe there's going to be a big pushback and the pendulum's going to swing back to the direction. I don't know, but I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Podcast, 6.30 p.m. every single day on all podcast platforms. I'll see you all next time.